somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. I'm joined with by Leonora Kavoda. Hi, I want to make sure you got the name right. Yeah. So welcome, Leonora. Back to the Scott Adams Show from last Friday. Yeah, well, I thought I might have gotten lost on my way here, <laughs> but I figured it out. Well, we're having um, we're having some tough times in America, aren't we? Um, yes. We have a president of the United States, a duly elected president of the United States, getting uh, coups waged against him, uh, all because a deep state doesn't like him. And we're living in that world right now. We are living in that world. And, you know, a lot of people are saying that uh, the Biden crime family is just trying to deflect or def- defer uh, uh, the noise, because, you know, Trump is great for ratings. The media just loves this, right? Mm-hmm. And so they indict Trump, and it it's w- all that everybody can talk about. Everybody's just talking about Trump. But it's a frivolous case, and they're bringing it up on the grounds of espionage, which is so unusual in and of itself, uh, that uh, it, it doesn't even square, but... You can indict a ham sandwich in D.C., and Jack Smith is the prosecutor from the FBI that last time out lost eight to nothing, would have lost nine to nothing, um, when he brought a case against a Virginia uh, uh, governor uh, candidate uh, a while back, about like two thousand, like ten years ago. And he is basically the guy you bring in that has zero integrity. He's just a radical liberal and tries to um, exploit every opportunity uh, for, for legalese to, to prosecute. And, and nobody's even asking the obvious question, which is uh, Obama's judge 
judges under uh, looking into the matter of Bill Clinton uh, basically said that uh, presidents can can collect their their records uh, as President Trump did, but because the records that are in question are related to military secrets, they're calling it espionage. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's absolutely absurd. You know, uh, Patrick Cowley writes this. He says, BlackRock is buying the houses. Bill Gates is buying the farmland. Biden jailing dissidents. And they want to tell you Russia is the problem. And, of course, Lindsey Graham. Asa Hutchinson came out (laughs) and (laughs) said that Trump needs to step out of the race. <laughs> well, you know, it's Asa happened. Hutchinson begged for it to come on this show the last time. I said, absolutely no way am I putting Asa Hutchinson on this show. Well, you did have him on once. Yeah, that was before I knew him. Yeah. And uh, just just a few months ago, one of his handlers wanted this jerk to... Uh, I wouldn't call a governor a jerk. Oh, he is. He's an absolute no. disgusting guy. No, no, that, that, that's a little yeah. bit over the top. I would never have him on our show again. But but what I do want to say is this growing uh, field of Republican candidates for president is just only making Donald Trump's role better. Because none of them are going to be able to splinter the, the, the uh, hold he has on the voters. Well, and this, this to me is the biggest problem of all. Thank you yeah. for queuing that up so nicely. Yeah. Because say, say it is true. Say, say it is true. Say, say somehow we don't know what's going on. And say, and say he's not in the race, right? No, no, no. Yeah. No, no, stick with me here. Say Trump isn't, say Trump is the candidate that Biden wants to go against. Right. Right. I think that they're wrong. You know, like uh, they were trying to say that they wanted to run against Carrie Lake because she was more beatable than the other uh, Republican candidate Mm -hmm. that Carrie Lake beat in the primary to to go and right against Katie Hobbs for the governorship. Right. right? So they were basically saying, no, we wanted Carrie. We wanted that's who we wanted to to run against. Mm -hmm. And they got her. Right. And they were basically trying to say that MAGA candidates were easily beatable. I don't believe that to be the case at all. No. I think it motivates election fraud because they need fraud to beat a MAGA candidate. And globalists will enter the race and finance the campaigns when a MAGA candidate is in play because MAGA is America first. And globalists don't meddle in elections where the outcome is the same whether the Republican or the Democrat wins. Like, for example, DeSantis and Biden are both globalists. So either one wins. The globalists are going to be happy. They're not going to go ahead and spend so much money on that election because the outcome is going to be almost the same. They're going to have a candidate that they can manage and handle and push around that they own, that, that is insured. But... If you get like someone like RFK, Robert Kennedy Jr., and Trump, again, those two are anti-globalists. Those, are, those two are America first candidates. And at that point, they're going to say, well, no matter who wins, it's going to be bad for us. Yeah. And we're not going to go ahead and... Ma- but if you get someone like Biden versus 
Trump or you get RFK versus um, uh, uh, you get RFK versus uh, DeSantis, uh, then you have a basically an interest for the globalists to get involved and ensure the outcome that a globalist is going to take the presidency. So in this case, though, they, they if that argument is true, that they say, well, the easiest person for us to beat is the MAGA candidate, that's Trump, then they're meddling and they're interfering in the Republican primary process, no matter what. Like I said, I disagree with them, but if that was the case, right, that they wanted to run against Trump, they're doing a doggone good job in doing it. Mm-hmm. Because Trump's numbers are skyrocketing. Everywhere you turn on social media now, there's people with a picture of Trump saying, we stand with the next president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Everybody is standing with Trump. Well, they saw his polls grow after the last time, you know, after they arrested him. Right. So whether, whether that's a good strategy for them or not, they are meddling in the Republican primary. And if, if I was DeSantis or uh, Chris Christie or Asa Hutchinson or any of these people, I would be upset just from that fact alone. Mm-hmm. And that the biggest uh, complaint shouldn't be that Asa Hutchinson is going to allow himself to be played um, by the Democrats, uh, at, but that's typical Republican as usual. Um, he should be upset with the, the Democrats meddling in the primary election. Caller, you're on the air? Uh, yeah, this is uh, Dave from South Dakota. Real quick, I did send my uh, request in for uh, Lenora's uh, spectator, so I'm looking forward to that. But I'm going to make two quick points here. Uh, one is Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution. And in that is uh, it forms is to guarantee a Republican form of government. That's the first point of that article. To avoid an invasion of a country, which we have now, and also against domestic violence. All three of them are not happening now. And here's my point. Someone, something, someone, I don't know who, to me, in my own opinion, there has to be some form of declaration of civil war. Now, it's not North versus South. But there has to be some form because there's two-tier governments. We have uh, two, two forms of justice, those for the Democrats and those for the Republicans. And you and everybody else and myself are susceptible to going to jail. But the Democrats, the deep state, are absolutely have a green get-out-of-jail card no matter what they do, and including murder. And this is a sad state for America. And uh, I go to... Mount Rushmore on January, excuse me, June 14th on Flag Day to watch citizens become legal citizens and sworn in up there. And I'm saying to myself, how ironic. I'm standing in Mount Rushmore watching, uh, I'm going to be watching uh, real Americans become citizens the, the legal way and, and then honoring Flag Day, which many men and women have died for that flag. On June 14th, which is happened to be also Trump's birthday, and I'm saying to myself, uh, gosh, am I, am I going to be able to hold the flag and, say, and watch this choir of young children 
sing the national anthem while these people become citizens? Am I going to be arrested up there? Because we certainly saw that at the Capitol. They, they were stopped from singing a beautiful Star-Spangled Banner. So I guess my point is I, I don't know what to say anymore. But to me, maybe there has to be some form of declaration of civil war, not in the fact that they're fighting, but something has to be done. I don't know what, but we are in a very, very sad state in America's history right now. Well, Dane, um, you know, what's interesting, too, is this seems to be happening almost in every country. Like in the Netherlands, nobody likes Ruta, and he's taken the farmland away from the 3,000 farmers. Nobody likes Trudeau in Canada that I've ever met. Nobody likes this guy. Nobody liked Jacinda Ardern, who is telling people to be locked into their homes and stuff like that from New Zealand. And all of these globalist Klaus Schwab disciples are basically running the show and hated by their people. People are leaving their countries because they are trying to escape the tyranny of the globalist leaders. And somehow they're winning these elections. And you just have to know that they are also meddling with these electric, uh, electronic voting machines and these ballot harvesting uh, schemes and these mail-in ballots. It's all rigged. And Absolutely. it's, it's got to be that way because these are not popular leaders. Nobody likes Trump. Nobody likes Biden. You look at the numbers. We're going to play a Tucker Carlson as episode two today. But... You know, you take a look at the numbers on Tucker Carlson's numbers, over 100 million views on the Twitter. And I would say that translates into about five to six million listeners of his 10 minute monologue. And that in and of itself speaks volumes because, uh, you know, all the other can all the other pundits don't get that combined. So, you know, you can combine them all. And so the numbers don't lie. These numbers are real. And, you know, everybody, uh, when you take a look at CNN, when they had Trump on, they had one spike in ratings. That's it. And then other than that, they're dying on the vine. And again, everybody wants to talk about Trump. And every chance they get, they talk about Trump. Yet nobody wants Trump to be the president of the United States because he represents the people. He represents America first. And he is basically an anti-globalist. And that impacts negatively all the multinational corporations that are owned by BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street, which are running the show and financing not only the politicians, but they're financing through ad dollars the main major media outlets. That's just, yeah. that's just and, and it's a simple math problem. And, and, and I'll never I'll ahead. never forget when they were debating with Hillary Clinton of Trump in the, in the very beginning. And he she said something about, God forbid, if you become president. And he looked at her and said, yeah, because you'd be in prison. Yeah, you'd be in jail. And that's the truth. Yeah, in jail. <laughs> yeah. And that's where they all belong, all of them, from Clapper to Brennan to, to Comey to Chris, to Ray, all of them. These are criminal, treasonous people that belong in jail. I don't well, know how we're going to get them there. You know, but it goes all the I'm way back to Lois Lerner. Remember the Tea Party? This was under yeah. Obama. Again, Lois Lerner should have been thrown in jail for what she did. At the IRS? Absolutely. Targeting the Tea Party? 
Yep. And meddling in the 2012 election in the lead up to that. And uh, she just arrogantly said, you know, she was so arrogant about it, too. And she's been hated for the rest of her life. Nobody likes her, but she's getting away with murder, practically. You know, yeah. and uh, have, rigging have the, seen, it's election interference. Seth Rich, Seth Rich, the person that killed Seth Rich, have we ever found him? And we never will. That's right. That's because it was an inside job. Uh, they were yeah, taking him out job. because he held documents that were related to CrowdStrike and the email gate, uh, the D- DNC emails, and WikiLeaks. And Julian Assange is still rotting in jail. And yeah, these people uh, have been destroyed. Yeah. But, but in any case, thank you yeah. for calling in today. Thank you. Take care. I'm fighting a good fight to the end. All right. Take care. And he also brought up a good point. If anybody wants a copy of my article in the American Spectator, just write to us and we will send one to you. Yeah. Email um, Scott at ScottAdamsShow.com. That's Scott at ScottAdamsShow.com. And uh, we've gotten hundreds uh, of emails already uh, in and... uh, Leonora actually has a team of interns that has been helping out yeah. um, at the, her group over at American Spectator to get the magazines out. And basically, uh, this is when you email us your address, it's, uh, and, and I'll send you also a, pic, uh, a link to my AARP article. AARP has sort of made a decision to, uh, well, they've made a little bit of a push to try to get some conservative writers. And it, they pay actually kind of well. So um, they uh, selected me to write some articles for them. And I got to tell you, the pay is the, probably one of the better pays. So I'm going to continue to write for them because I, like the, I like the deal I'm getting. And you also like what you're writing about. I it's love what I'm writing about. But uh, if you want to um, follow what I'm doing on AARP, uh, just send me um, an email, scott at scottadamshow.com. I'll send you a link to the article, and you can check it out. And if you can leave a comment, a positive comment, uh, that would also be helpful because it would make me look like I have a, a following. That, make and, it, make and that's it look gonna, like you have friends. Yeah, exactly. Everybody wants to have friends. I want to have a friend. <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the other things about uh, today, it's just kind of a special show, is... is uh, we are going to be leaving for France today. Oui, What? It's a good thing I'm uh, going to have I a said, translator. I said that's taking place today. Yeah. Yeah. Say it again. Uh, oui, ça se passe aujourd'hui. Nous allons à Paris aujourd'hui. What, what I are you said, saying? I said, is that taking place today? Are we going to Paris <laughs> today? Oui, c'est certain. <laughs> nous allons à Paris aujourd'hui. We're going to Paris today. Well, à vrai dire, nous, nous allons à Paris demain parce que on, c'est nécessaire de prendre un vol. What I basically said was, well, in, in truth, we're going to Paris tomorrow because we need to take a flight. And when we get there, it's going to be tomorrow. But we, We'll so. be on a plane in about five hours mm-hmm. and they'll be speaking French. Yeah, some on people that plane. So, well, they, they will be speaking French and English because yeah. uh, it's it's a flight but, that, that's but come, because we're going the other direction, so you it's, will get uh, both we'll five get. or six hours. Yeah, is it five or six? It's six right now, and we'll be doing some shows uh, from Paris. Uh, so, 
Uh, that'll be kind of an interesting thing uh, next week, so stay tuned. And, but, uh, uh, and I want to make one more comment about France. Uh, I am. I have a review that I've written about a new book about France's Prime Minister Elizabeth Bourne. So that should be posting this weekend at the American Spectator. So t- so look for that. Yeah, and again, if you want a magazine where Leonor has two featured articles in the magazine, and the magazines are only two two magazines per year, correct? Yeah. Is that right? Uh, there's only two per year. You got to speak into the mic. There's only two per year. Okay, so so just two per year, yep. and the one that we're talking about just came out, right? It just came out. Yeah, a few weeks ago. So um, we'll go ahead and send uh, those to you if you give us your address, and it's free. We're not sharing your uh, address. This isn't even sanctioned by. Spectator well, no, itself. It's, it's sanctioned by them. No, it's absolutely <clears throat> sanctioned by them. But what we're not capturing the lists of names in a database that yeah. we are not doing. And there's no selling. Or and I'm not selling you anything. We're just uh, we're just we're sending just, you a magazine yeah, for you to it. enjoy. And uh, and also, I will say, if you enjoy it, share it with your friends. Yeah, because it's it's about education and it's an important topic. Yeah, and and hopefully you might even be urged to subscribe. Subscribe, but or, that's totally on. But you. that's got nothing. It's not. It doesn't ask you to subscribe. Well, yeah. there may be a prom- promo in there, but it does. But that's not the point. The point is for you to see yeah. the ideas. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. So back to Trump being indicted. Ugh. God, it just sounds horrible, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So it is election. It is election interference. There's no doubt about that. Right. Oh, it's totally I mean, election interference. So to me, that is the bigger crime. Uh, Trump had something to say about this. And we're going to go ahead and take a listen to what Trump had to say. This is uh, this is a four minute runtime. And it's President Trump's basically saying, I am an innocent man. Very sadly, we're a nation in decline. And yet they go after a popular president, a president that got more votes than any sitting president in the history of our country, by far, and did much better the second time in the election than the first. And they go after him on a boxes hoax, just like the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, and all of the others. This has been going on for seven years. They can't stop because it's election interference at the highest level. There's never been anything like what's happened I'm an innocent man. I'm an innocent person. Uh, They had the Mueller hoax, the Mueller report, and that came out. No collusion after two and a half years. That was set up by Hillary Clinton and Democrats. But this is what they do. This is what they do so well. If they would devote their energies to honesty and integrity, it would be a lot better for our country. They could do a lot better. They could do a lot of great things. But when you look at what's happened to our country in the last three years, we were energy independent. We had a strong military that wasn't woke. We were doing so well. We were respected all over the world. Got the biggest tax cuts in history, biggest regulation cuts in history. And what do you do? You have a president where an election was taken, got more votes than any sitting president in history by far, never anything even close. And they come after me because now we're leading in the polls again by a lot against Biden and against the Republicans by a lot. But we're leading against Biden by a lot, a tremendous amount. And we went up to a level that they figure the way they're going to stop us is by using what's called warfare. And that's what it is. This is warfare for the law. And we can't let it happen. 
We can't let it happen. Our country is going to hell and they come after Donald Trump, weaponizing the Justice Department, weaponizing the FBI. We can't let this continue to go on because it's ripping our country to shreds. We have such big problems and this shouldn't be one of them. It's a hoax. The whole thing is a hoax, just like Russia, 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 just like the fake dossier was a hoax. You saw the Durham report, you saw the Mueller report. It was all a big hoax. You had two impeachments and they lost and we won and we had tremendous support, but that was a hoax and a scam. And now they're doing it again. It's just a continuation, seven years, even after I'm out but it's called election interference. They're trying to destroy your reputation so they can win an election. That's just as bad as doing any of the other things that have been done over the last number of years and especially during the 2020 election. So I just want to tell you, I'm an innocent man. I did nothing wrong and we will fight this out just like we've been fighting for seven years. It would be wonderful if we could f devote our full time to making America great again and that's exactly what we did. But now, again, our country is in decline. We're a failing nation. And this is what they do. I'm an innocent man. We will prove that again. Seven years of proving it. And here we go again. Very unfair. But that's the way it is. I just want to thank everybody. We are doing something very special for our country. We're putting America first. I always put America first. And that's why we were in a position. Unfortunately, that position is no longer valid because they've done such a poor job. But we're in a position where we're going to make America great again. Uh, I'm innocent and we will prove that very, very soundly and hopefully very quickly. Thank you very much. Wow, that's powerful. Um, I, I want to thank uh, somebody during that time wrote in to uh, get the magazine. Yeah. And uh, again, they emailed Scott at scottadamshow.com, and it flashed up on my phone. Uh, we actually got multiples, but they're layered in. I can't yeah. see all of them. But the one that's on top is from a town I've never heard of before. It's Stuttgart, Arizona, uh, Arkansas. Uh, yeah. AR? AR. State code. AR, AR has to be Arkansas. Yeah, that's AK is Alaska. AK is Alaska and AZ, AZ is Arizona. Is I, so had to Arkansas. I had to actually think about Stuttgart, that. Stuttgart, Arkansas. And guess what? This oh, you, name is French. Yeah, no, the name is French. Char yeah. Charmaine. I'm not going to say the last name. Yeah. But the last name is more French than the first name. No, they're both French. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> thank you um, for that. And uh, thank you for all the people that just emailed in. Um, to Scott at scottadamshow.com with their address to get a magazine and we'll go ahead and make sure that we get that out to you ASAP. Absolutely. All right. So um, we're going to listen to this analysis here about this uh, topic of Trump being indicted. Chris Christie, too, is coming on the wrong side of all this. Well, you know what they say about Trashing Chris, the Trump family. You know what they say about Chris Christie? They say that he's in there. They want to try to use him to try to knock Trump out of the race or something. I mean, which is yeah. insane. I've, yeah, heard that, he, I've heard that said multiple times. Well, he has done nothing but attack Trump. And he's basically like a human wrecking ball. Yeah. Uh, like a huge, uh, you know, wrecking ball that 
can knock down buildings. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, Chris Christie was a prosecutor and he did run against Trump in uh, the 2016 election. But then he was he had a he had a role on Trump's team and then they gave it to somebody else. So yeah. Trump kind of marginalized him at the end. OK. All right. Yeah. So let's take a listen to this. This was on. Um, again, I, I don't watch Fox News, but this was uh, Jesse Walters interview with this guy given analysis um i found this on twitter but uh in any case here three project we haven't seen the indictment yet so what specifically do you think it's going to show well i think what it's going to show jesse is what we've been talking about since august that this is a bogus indictment of a former president for the non crime of a former president having his presidential records in the office of former president, which is funded by Congress with Secret Service protection and federally funded staff and security clearances. The Presidential Records Act specifically allows presidents to have their presidential records. And the Biden Justice Department is ignoring the Presidential Records Act and and trying to charge Trump under the Espionage Act, which is not applicable to a former president's handling of his presidential records. And Fox has just confirmed that the former president has been indicted by Joe Biden's Justice Department. So... There is no crime under the Presidential Records Act. All presidents have been able to access all of their presidential records. How are they saying this is espionage? Well, that's a that's a very good question. They're trying to say that because President Trump had records that were marked classified in the office of former president, that somehow he has violated the Espionage Act. They're not saying it's classified, apparently. They're going to say it's national defense information. But what they're ignoring is that under the Presidential Records Act, any documents created or received by the president or his White House staff is a presidential record. It does not matter whether they're classified or not. And a good example of this is a an Obama judge's ruling in D.C. in 2012 when Bill Clinton got caught with eight years of highly classified audio recordings of his presidency stuffed in his sock drawer. And the, the Obama judge correctly held that the Presidential Records Act applies. And if a president takes his presidential records when he leaves office, they are deemed personal and it does not matter whether they're classified. And that's that's the Presidential Records Act. The, the Espionage Act is not even applicable to a former president's handling of his presidential records. Right. So it's a garbage prosecution. Let's just accept that. Let's say it moves forward. I don't know whether this is going to be heard in Florida, in Washington, D.C. Do, do you know that? It's unclear. I would be surprised if it's not in D.C. because I think this Jack Smith has proven, and so has Merrick Garland, who's made this, Merrick Garland had to make this decision for the, whether to indict Trump or not. And we know that Jack Smith is a partisan prosecutor. Jack Smith got overturned eight to nothing. It would have been nine to nothing for his bogus prosecution of another Republican potential presidential candidate, uh, Virginia Governor Bob McDonald, back in uh, 2014, I believe. And it's just it shows a pattern that Jack Smith is the political prosecutor who the Democrats bring in to try to take out Republican presidential candidates. And if it, if he brings the charges in D.C., it shows that he's very political because he knows that it is a The D.C. judges are uniparty judges and the D.C. jury pool is like 93 percent Democrat and like 99 percent Trump deranged. And so I expect this 
these charges in, in D.C. So if it goes to D.C. right now, we're in June 2023. You got a Republican primary just starting to heat up. What is the timetable for a trial in the middle of a Republican primary, possibly uh, a general election? Well, that's that's the issue. This is clearly election interference by Joe Biden. Clearly, this is clearly election interference. Isn't it? Isn't it funny that the, the day that Joe Biden gets caught taking ten million dollars from Burisma, Biden's attorney general, Merrick Garland, greenlights this indictment of his leading presidential rival. I mean, the timing is just it's just, you know, it's just coincidental. Right. Well, yeah. so that here's what happens. Trump could try to move to dismiss the indictment, the sufficiency of the, the indictment early on, because th- there's not a legal basis for the indictment. The Presidential Records Act, not the Espionage Act, applies. I, you know, I doubt a uniparty judge is going to go along with that. And so this will probably have to get resolved by the Supreme Court. It should be nine to nothing by the Supreme Court if they actually follow the law. But at the end of the day, Trump may get elected in 2024 as a convicted felon who the Supreme Court has to reverse his conviction because it's a bogus. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That will be something. That would be something. We're living in a banana republic. That's for sure. But, yeah, at the same time that Joe and Hunter were exposed for taking bribes of $10 million. Right. And they got records in Chinatown and all over the place. And nobody's really acting on that all that much. No, they got records all over uh, by the Corvette in the garage. Um, It's it's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. Nutso. Uh, Also, you know, it's kind of funny. uh, Another person uh, during that clip emailed in to Scott at scottadamshow.com. A guy named Jeffrey from New York. And what's interesting is he lives on Pontiac Street, Mm -hmm. right? But in New York somewhere. I'm not going to say the city. Um, And the uh, French-sounding name Mm -hmm. from Arkansas, uh, part of their email address was Pontiac. Oh, isn't that funny? What a coincidence. Pontiac Street, Pontiac in the email, Pontiac. Remember that car? Yeah, maybe you need to buy a Pontiac. That's what it's (laughs) selling you. Do they even still sell the Pontiac? I don't know. I don't know. Um. All right. So, this is a kind of an interesting analysis by Rachel Maddow, admitting what this Trump indictment is really about. Ugh. Again, you're going to have to hold your nose on this one. Um, I'm reluctant to play it. I'll, I'll play this one first. Remember this old classic? Take on the intelligence community. They have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. What do you think the intelligence community would do if they were motivated I don't know, to? but I, from what I am told, they are very upset with how he has treated them and talked about them. And we need the intelligence community. We don't know what's going Look at the Russian hacking. Without the intelligence we community, the we wouldn't have uh, discovered it. Do and you we- think- yeah, without the intelligence agency, mm-hmm. we wouldn't know about the Russian hacking. Exactly. Well, the Russians didn't hack. Yeah. It was a uh, yeah, ruse from Hillary Clinton. He has an agenda to try to dismantle parts of the intelligence community. I mean, this form of Let me taunting you, hostility. Whether you're a super liberal Democrat or a very conservative Republican, you should be against dismantling the intelligence. I am all for dismantling the lack uh, the unintelligent CIA 
and their money arm, USAID, and their bosses over at the State Department. I think that they all are criminals in what they've been doing and meddling in Ukraine and in Africa and in you know in Sudan and in other places where they just don't belong. They're causing because of their globalist, socialist, Marxist views, they're causing more harm than good. Oh, and my father texted it and he says, Chief Pontiac was a famous chief. And my father was a Native American Indian chief once upon a time. Well, you didn't think it started with a car, do you? <laughs> no, I should have known, though, that Pontiac was a, a famous chief. Yeah. Chief Pontiac. You should have known that. I didn't know that. I, I, I need to go back to Indian school. I think you Cause do. Because I am 50% Indian, Native American and you Indian. Did, and you did learn how to work a loom. You've told me that many oh, times. Oh, I did. Uh, by real Indians. Uh, yeah, in a summer camp. Um, grew up with a lot of great Native Americans in my life. All right, so let's take a listen to um, Rachel Maddow. Uh, and that's why, you know, when it gets... A lot of people think that, you know, taking the... Uh, changing the name of the Washington Redskins... Uh, to the commanders or whatever they do, you know, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I always tell Political people... correctness. I love it when I'm in a room and I say, yeah, I said, uh, this whole thing about canceling our culture and uh, protecting my feelings by this, like a guy like Harry Reid, a white man, is worried about my feelings, right? And um, I said, I never met a Native American Indian in my life, and I've been surrounded by them my whole life, uh, I never met a Native American personally that uh, has a grievance with Washington Redskins or, you know, the Indians or the Warriors or whatever, right? Right. And I said, when they take the jerseys and change the name to Commanders, and when they take the emblems of Native Americans off the 50-yard line or off the basketball court or off the scoreboard or out of the merchandise... Uh, people forget about Native American Indians, right? That's $20 billion over the course of 20 years. That's like billions and billions of dollars in market marketing and PR and awareness so that new generations that come down will say, what's a Native American Indian? A young person, right? Yeah. And the culture will live on. But as soon as you erase it from all these public domains... It's forgotten. It is forgotten. And and even an an image that is a little bit of a stereotype is better than nothing at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was never offended. And so, you know, it's it's costing the Native American Indians billions of dollars in free marketing and public relations. I've told this story many times. When I was seven years old uh, during summer camp, I was in India and my grandmother made a costume for me with beads, and I had long braids. Do you know I won an award for funniest costume? And I was seven, and I, at seven, thought that there was something wrong, and I said, Indians aren't funny. I didn't. I thought I should have won prettiest costume. Yeah. But granted, I was seven, but I still knew that you, calling a particular race funny is not right. Right. Well, you know, I don't know what to make of that. 
Um, should I be offended? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I guess it's evolved now to the point where back then they would thought Indians were funny. Now they're just uh, trying to erase them by getting rid of their name. All right. So let's listen to this uh, Rachel Maddow. Then we're going to play Tucker Carlson's uh, uh, new episode. It's really, really good. Um, but let's take a listen to Rachel Maddow uh, talking about what this Trump indictment is really about. You have to wonder if the Justice Department is considering whether there is some political solution to this criminal problem, whether part of the issue here is not just that Trump has committed crimes, but that Trump has committed crimes and plans on being back in the White House. Do they consider as part of a potential plea offer something that would prescribe him, proscribe him from 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 running for office again? I don't know. I I would imagine if anything like that happened, that it would have to come from the defense side of the negotiation that the mm. that the trump team would would say oh by the way and with this we will also you know drop out of the uh, the race for president uh, otherwise it would put the justice department in this position that donald trump claims they're in you know, he claims they're trying to stop him simply trying to stop him from becoming president again and that's the only reason uh, they're doing this. So my guess, given those dynamics and the change, I think, in the way uh, the Justice Department sees this in those 50 years since Spiro Agnew, uh, it just seems unlikely that they would reach into the political zone uh, of the solution. Our politics does have to find a solution to this, but it might have to find that solution separate and apart from the criminal process. Can you believe it? They're talking about, you know, Trump. Oh, it's going to come from Trump's side. He's going to make a deal like, hey, please don't indict me and I'll, I won't run for president. Well, it seems like Trump is they're afraid. So re- they're, they're so They're going down lunch. every avenue to try to get Trump, and Trump does not appear to be afraid. So, uh, Jeffrey wrote in, who was uh, yes, in New yeah. York and yes, Pontiac yes, Street. Yes. Uh, just wrote in and confirmed that my father, who was a Native American Indian chief, was correct. Well, of course your father was correct. (laughs) But also said it was uh, the Pontiac Street that he lives on, named after the uh, Native American chief. The land it's on was purchased from the Seneca Indians Mm. in the early 20th century. Wow. Yeah. Take that one, put that one in your peace pipe and smoke it, Dad. You know, he, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, also, Robert uh, from Chattanooga also sent in a request for a magazine. Oh, Leonora. wow. All right. You could email scott at scottadamshow.com and uh, get yourself a free magazine. We're even paying for the shipping, right? We are indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, and, and we're not collecting any credit cards anyway. No, so. no, no. We're, no, we're not. Yeah. As I've said repeatedly, I am not putting anybody's names into a database. Yeah. Yeah. This is just something we're doing on our own. Um, it's nice, though, to see the feedback that we get from this show because, you know, uh, we have a lot of listeners and they are shy. They don't call in as much. Or things like that, but they email. They email a lot, <laughs> so that's kind of a cool thing. Um, all right, so I want to get to this clip now. This is a uh, Tucker Carlson's open last night, and uh, it's episode two. Uh, cling to your taboos. He really does dress this well uh, as to what is going on in our country. Let's take a listen. 
Hey, it's Tucker Carlson. Let's say you wanted to control a country. How would you start? We'd want to make sure you had the complete obedience of everybody inside your borders who was authorized to use deadly force. You would start with the military and then federal law enforcement and move your way down ultimately to agencies like the IRS. Controlling the guns would be a top priority for you if you ever wanted to go dictatorial, if you wanted to be baby doc. But let's say you had deeper ambitions. Let's say you wanted the power not simply to control people's behavior, but to control how they think, not just their bodies, but their minds, as a god would. In that case, you need to take charge of the society's taboos. A taboo is something that by popular consensus is not allowed. A taboo may not be illegal, but it doesn't need to be. Over time, social prohibitions are more powerful and more enduring than laws. Societies are defined by what they will not permit, as are famously religions. Muslims don't eat pork, neither do Orthodox Jews. Traditional Christians oppose extramarital sex, the Amish avoid electricity, and so on. American society isn't overtly religious, but it's governed by taboos, and it always has been. What's interesting is how fast our taboos are changing. This is not happening organically. What we're allowed to dislike is being dictated to us from above, sometimes by force. Until fairly recently, for example, it was taboo in this country to attack people on the basis of their race. That was the main lesson of the Second World War, we were told, again and again. The one thing we learned from the Nazis is that it's dangerous to reduce human beings to their genetic code. There is no master race. That made sense, but apparently we no longer believe it. Punishing people based on their skin color is not only permitted in modern America, it is mandatory throughout business and government and higher education, as long as the victims are white. At one time, that would have been unimaginable. So with the current behavior of our politicians. As recently as the 1992 presidential campaign, adultery was considered disqualifying for anyone seeking higher office. Bill Clinton was very nearly derailed in the New Hampshire primary by his affair with Jennifer Flowers. Clinton went to elaborate lengths to lie about the relationship because he had no choice. But he was the last presidential candidate who had to meet this standard. By 2008, it was obvious to anybody who was paying attention that Barack Obama had a strange and highly creepy personal life. Yet nobody ever asked him about it. By that point, a leader's behavior within his own marriage, the core relationship of his life, had been declared irrelevant. It was Barack Obama's business, not yours. One by one, with increasing speed, our old taboos have been struck down. Those that remain have lost their moral force. Stealing, flaunting your wealth, striking women, smoking marijuana on the street, shameless public hypocrisy, taking other people's money for not working. All of these things used to be considered unacceptable in America, not anymore. So it probably shouldn't surprise us that the greatest taboo of all is teetering on the edge of acceptability, child molestation. A generation ago, talking to someone else's children about sex was widely considered grounds for a thrashing. Touching them sexually was effectively a death penalty offense. When Jeffrey Dahmer was bludgeoned to death in the bathroom of a Wisconsin prison in 1994, the Milwaukee district attorney had to caution the public not to turn Dahmer's killer into a folk hero. Jeffrey Dahmer had molested and murdered children. People felt justified in celebrating his death. 25 years later, that standard had changed dramatically in the state of Wisconsin, as in the rest of the country. In the summer of 2020, during the BLM riots in Kenosha, 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse defended his life from a convicted child molester called Joseph Rosenbaum, 
Rosenbaum was trying to kill Rittenhouse, so Rittenhouse shot him in self-defense. But it was Joseph Rosenbaum whom the media cast as the victim of the story. Kyle Rittenhouse, meanwhile, an underage boy fending off violence from a child molester, was denounced as the villain. Ultimately, he was indicted for murder. One of the things that this tells us is the people who run our country no longer see child molesters as the worst among us. It's never been more obvious than it was yesterday when the Wall Street Journal ran a long expose about kiddie porn on Instagram. Instagram, the journal found, quote, helps connect and promote a vast network of accounts openly devoted to the commission and purchase of underage sex content. Instagram connects pedophiles and connects them to content sellers of child pornography. In one instance, the paper discovered that Instagram was recommending the phrase incest toddlers to users who'd expressed interest in similar material. By the way, no one at Instagram denied that any of this had happened, nor did Mark Zuckerberg, who controls the company. The journal story was accurate. It was all pretty shocking, but not as shocking as what happened next, which was effectively nothing at all. The largest circulation newspaper in the United States revealed that one of the world's most influential companies was promoting pedophilia, and nobody in power did anything about it. The Justice Department did not announce an investigation. Congress did not schedule hearings. The guy who runs Instagram, Adam Mosseri, still has his job. In fact, Mosseri's last tweet, which is pinned, is a video of himself bragging about how effective Instagram's algorithm is. Keep in mind as you watch this, it's real. People often talk about the algorithm, but there is no one algorithm for Instagram. There are many algorithms and ranking processes we use to try to personalize the experience to make it as interesting as we can for each and every person who uses Instagram. We believe in this idea of personalization. What you're interested in and what I'm interested in is different, and so therefore your Instagram and my Instagram should be different. <laughs> what you're interested in and what I'm interested in is different, Masseri explains patiently, so your Instagram feed will be different from mine. You're interested in children, that's why you're getting all the incest toddler posts. It's a highly personalized experience. That tweet is still up tonight. Of course, everybody at Instagram, in fact, everyone everywhere in authority, will still claim to think that child molestation is bad, but the tone has changed unmistakably. When they say it's bad, they mean it in a kind of abstract way. Bad like a civil war in Central Africa is bad. You wouldn't prefer it, but there are reasons it happens. That's why we now refer to pedophiles as minor attracted persons, because honestly, who can judge? These people are a sexual minority, so pause before you attack them. And in any case, it's not like pedophiles are barging into the Capitol building to sit in Nancy Pelosi's chair or asking uncomfortable questions about the last election. For miscreants like that, no punishment is too harsh. So far this month, the FBI's Washington field office has issued 11 press releases. 10 out of 11 have been about January 6th. Keep in mind that January 6th happened more than two and a half years ago. Now you know why the feds were ignoring kid touchers on Instagram. They're too busy to respond. They've got much more important things to do, like finding white supremacists. White supremacists are America's new child molesters. We've got zero tolerance for white supremacists because no one threatens the life of this country more than they do. Here's Joe Biden once again making that very clear last month. Stand up against the poison white supremacy, as I did my inaugural address to a single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland, is white supremacy. And 
I'm not saying this because I'm at a black HBCU. I say wherever I go. Pardon the feedback, but you heard the point. White supremacy is the most dangerous threat to the American homeland. Joe Biden just told us that. It's more dangerous than the threat of nuclear war with Russia. It's more dangerous than the threat of the Mexican drug cartels, who've already killed hundreds of thousands of Americans and are now in control of swaths of our southwestern states. White supremacy is that bad, Joe Biden says. In fact, it's worse. But what is it? That's the question. Can anyone in authority actually define white supremacy? What is it? Is white supremacy liking white people too much? If so, that's going to put those of us with white children in a pretty tough spot. Or is white supremacy something much more obviously bad, like trying to expel all non-whites from America and creating some kind of ethnostate? If that's Joe Biden's definition, what exactly is the scope of this threat? How many people are currently working on this American white ethnostate project? And what are the chances they're going to pull it off? Our guess is not very many and precisely zero. But we can't say for sure because no one has showed us the numbers. These are not rhetorical questions. When the president of the United States describes something as the worst possible crime Americans can commit, you have a right to know what that crime is. You used to have that right. Under our pre-revolutionary legal code before George Floyd, questions like these were easy to answer. A crime was defined as something that an elected legislature had explicitly banned, usually an act that hurt somebody else. In America, crimes were described precisely with words in English and then preserved in books, which you could read yourself. If you ever wondered whether you were committing a crime, you could just look it up. You could know for sure whether you were a criminal. Now you can't. And needless to say, that's the point. The point of the exercise is to keep you off balance, to keep you afraid. When no one's willing to define the offense, you can't be sure whether or not you're committing it. You could be accused at any time and everything you have taken from you. You live in fear. Remember this guy? Emmanuel Cafferty was driving near a Black Lives Matter protest in Poway. And they get into that guy uh, basically lost his job because he was cracking his knuckles and they said it was a white supremacist hand signal. You know, and uh, people are getting crucified for blinking incorrectly is, is sort of like the point that Tucker's making there. Um, but uh, in any case, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Scott Adams Show and writing in today. We got a lot of people writing in to Scott at scottadamshow.com, not only for Leonora's article magazines, but also for my AARP articles. Uh, so thank you for all of that. And uh, we're going to be uh, doing our next show in Paris and uh, we're leaving for Paris today, and uh, Leonora is very, very excited about that. So, yeah, anything, anything you want to say there? Um, nous vous reverrons la prochaine fois au radio. Okay, radio. Okay, I got the one word. Well, we're running out of time. I want to uh, ask everybody to go over to magapack.org, make a donation if you can, magapack.org, uh, to find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. And with that, use Red State over at MyPillow.com. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody.